0: Amen. All right, well, we're there in First John, Third John, excuse me, and the very short chapter there. And like we've been talking about, on Sunday mornings, we are going through a series on the stewardship of life. And if you've uh, not been with us uh, with this series, or if you remember, uh, the word stewardship or stewarding is basically managing Resources that do not belong to us, managing resources that have been given to us to manage for the glory of God. And we started this series with a biblical overview of stewardship and kind of understanding what stewardship is. Then we talked about the parable of the unjust steward and learned lessons from that. Last week we got into more specific or practical areas. We talked about the stewardship of time. And this week we're going to be looking at the stewardship of health. And health is a gift. That God has given you an eye. If you woke up this morning, it's by the grace of God. If you were able to come to church this morning, it's by the grace of God. God gave you that health. God gave you that ability, and you know, not everybody has a health or good health to be able to steward. And let me go ahead and say this just by way of introduction. We don't believe in the prosperity gospel and name it and claim it, you know, nonsense out there where people will say that if you're uh, sick or if you don't have good health, it's the judgment of God upon your life. And look, the Bible talks about Paul, who was probably one of the most right with God men that ever lived, and the Bible says he had Uh, Infirmities in the flesh and a thorn in the flesh. And we know that not every time that people are without good health. It's because of something they did wrong. It may just be the lot that God has given them to carry in this life, and God is using that. And actually, uh, just to give you, uh, you know, in the fall of this year, I'm going to be preaching a series on, uh, we're going to spend several weeks talking about when bad things happen to good people. And one of the areas we're going to be dealing with is health and, and what we can learn from that and what God has given us. But with that said, I'd like you to notice there in Third John chapter 1 and verse number 2, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, John writes these words. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest notice. He says, My wish for you, my will for you, he says, is number one, that you would prosper, and number two, be in health, or be in good health, even as thy soul prospereth. And and understanding that sickness may or may not have reasons that have to do with sin or have to do with uh, us, I do want you to know that the Bible does teach that God's will is that we would be healthy and God's will is that we would be in good health. And I want to preach to you on the subject of stewarding your health. Now, I realize that a sermon like this could be extremely offensive to people, and I want you to understand that's not my goal this morning. Uh, as a pastor, my job is to preach the whole counsel of God, the entire counsel of God. I believe that I should be teaching and preaching everything the Bible says, and we're going to see this morning that there's a lot that the Bible teaches about this subject. But I want you to notice that this is something that we should all be mindful of and all need to understand. And the reason I chose to preach it this week, as I was doing the soul winning or, or doing our, my preaching calendar, and I, I wanted to do it the the sermon on. He- You know, on the first or the second week of February, the reason I chose that uh, uh, to to preach this morning, February 4th, on the subject of health is because some of you have already abandoned your New Year's goals and resolutions, you know, of having a healthier year, right? You you may, and I'm not going to ask for a raise of hand, but some of you said, I'm going to lose weight in 2018, some of you said, I'm going to be more active in 2018, some of you said, I'm going to live a healthier lifestyle in 2018, and here we are. You know, a little bit over a month later, and that seems like that was two years ago you made that right. You know, that thing's gone. And I want to challenge you this morning on the idea of your health and sticking with it and some of you getting back on those resolutions and back on those commitments and not giving up on that. And what I want to do this morning is, uh, if, if you'd allow me to, I want to give you three statements. I'd like you to write down three statements, three thoughts on the idea of stewarding your health, biblical principles for the stewardship of our Health. Now you're there in, in, in 3 John, you can lose your place there, but go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. In the Old Testament, if you open your Bible just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. And if you fall in the book of Psalms, if you just turn over a couple of books, you have the book of Proverbs right after Psalms, and then you have the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10 is where I'd like you to be. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. You got Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. And I'd like you to look down at verse number 17. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10 and verse number 17. The Bible says this, Blessed art thou, O land. And let, me, let me say this actually before we read the verse. I'm not a a, a, a nutritionist up here or an expert on these things. All I want to do is as a pastor give you some thoughts and some ideas that are clearly taught in Scripture. And the first one we find here, notice what he says. He says, blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles and thy princes. Notice what he says. He says, you are blessed when your princes, notice what he says, eat in due season. Notice what he says, for strength and not for drunkenness. He says you are blessed when you eat for strength and not for, uh, for drunkenness. And what I'd like you to write down this morning, here's point number one when it comes to the stewardship of health. We must eat for strength. We must eat for strength. God has given us food to strengthen and nourish our bodies. And you say, well, when you talk about eating for strength, what do you mean by that or what are you referring to? And here's what I want you to understand. I'm talking about controlling how much you eat. When we eat with the idea of eating for strength, the idea there is that we eat what we need, not what we want. We eat as much as is needed to strengthen our bodies, not as much as we desire to fulfill our lust. And that's actually a word that's used in the Bible in regards to eating and gluttony. And notice here again, he says, Thy princes eat in due season for strength. And what's the opposite of eating for strength and not for drunkenness? And you'll notice in the Bible that this idea of overeating and gluttony often go uh, and and drunkenness, gluttony and drunkenness often go hand in hand. And the reason for that is because when someone is drinking, they are you know uh, taking something in excess. Uh, and all you know, all drinking is is bad. I mean, the Bible's clear about that. And I'm not preaching on that this morning. But you know, if there's a, you know if you don't want to quit drinking for spiritual reasons, just quit drinking for health reasons. How about that? You know, children, listen to me. very carefully. Alcohol is poison. Alcohol is poison. You say, oh, well, I know grown-ups that drink alcohol, and look, that's between them and God. But you children, at least you children and teenagers, never touch alcohol. It kills brain cells. It destroys your body. There's nothing good and positive that ever comes from alcohol. And here God equates it, because when someone gets drunk, what do they do? They drink in excess. And he says, look, thy princes eat in due season. For, he said you're, you're blessed when you're eating for strength and not for drunkenness. What's that, the idea there? The idea there is that we often overeat more than we really need. And let me just read for you, I, w- I wanted to read uh, from, from a couple of articles this morning. Here's an article entitled, Why Do We Get Fat? The Reason We Put On Weight. And this is written by The Independent, which is a UK newspaper. And let me read for you just an excerpt from this article. It says, your body has a clever system to know how much to eat, but it can't compete with consistent overeating. As the obesity epidemic grows, it is important to understand just what causes us to gain weight. Since 1980, worldwide obesity has more than doubled. And over 1.9 billion adults were uh, overweight in 2014, according to the World Health Organization. I'm going to skip some of this, but the article continues and says this. If we consume more than is needed to run our body... The body stores these extra calories as fat. These fat stores can function as a reserve if we don't eat enough. But if someone consistently overeats, they will become overweight or obese as the body continues to store the excess calories. Here's a, uh, an excerpt from uh, an article by NPR called, Are ha- Junk Food Habits Driving Obesity? It says this, I suspect... We're eating too much calories from all foods, Justin says. He points to data from the USDA's Economic Research Service showing that Americans, on average, now eat 500 calories more daily than they did around 1970 before the obesity epidemic took off. Maybe we should be preaching the gospel of moderation and portion control. And I want you to understand that the, the, what these experts are saying and, and what the Bible is saying is that we need to control our eating. We need to eat for strength. We need to be careful to not overindulge and to eat not because we need it for strength, but just because we want to, we need to learn to eat for strength. If there's an an area in your life where you've got to begin when it comes with the idea of stewarding your health, it is in the idea of eating for strength. Now, you're there in Ecclesiastes, go with me to the book of Proverbs. You just had one book back to Proverbs chapter number 23. Proverbs chapter 23. And I'd like you to look at verse number 2. Proverbs 23 and verse number 2. Proverbs 23 and verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 23 and verse 2, the Bible says this, And put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Now, you know... I don't think the Bible is saying this literally here. I think he's using hyperbole, but he's trying to show you, you know, how bad this uh, idea of being given to appetite can be. He says, put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Look at verse 21, same chapter, Proverbs 23 and verse number 21. Notice what he says. He says, for the drunkard and the glutton. Notice how those two ideas are often intermingled in Scripture. He says, for the drunkard and the glutton shall Come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. He says it's not. It's not a good thing. He says if you're a drunkard or if you're a glutton, you'll be drowsy. You'll be, uh, uh, you know, a, a failure. Uh, he says it'll clothe a man with rags. Look at Proverbs 25 and verse number 16. Proverbs 25 and verse 16. And I want you to understand, the the point of the sermon this morning is not to make you mad or hurt your feelings, but I want to show you what the Bible says and encourage you to get victory in this area of your life. And look, we all struggle with this. You know, we all uh, 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 gain weight, and obviously as we get older, we gain weight. And even, you know, I have recently gained weight, you know, and and had to cut back on certain things. It was either I was going to have to cut back on certain things and lose some weight, And, you know, my my wife is very health conscious, and she helped me with this. And, uh, you know, she she helped me over the last uh, several months. Uh, I actually lost 10 pounds, you know, which is not a lot maybe for some of you or whatever. But it was enough for me to not have to go buy new suits. You know what I mean? And um, it was either get a whole new wardrobe of suits or lose a little bit of weight. And look, we all fail in these areas, and we all uh, give it in these areas. And it's good to be reminded that we are to eat for strength and not for drunkenness. Proverbs 25, look at verse 16. Proverbs 25, 16 says, Has thou found honey? Eat so much, notice, as is sufficient for thee. There's no wrong with eating honey, just don't overdo it. There's not wrong with eating certain things. Eat what is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith, and vomit it. Go to Psalm 78. You're there in Proverbs, just one book back. Psalm 78 Psalm 78, and look at verse number 18. Psalm 78, and verse number 18. Psalm 78, 18, notice what he says. Notice the wording in this verse. And they tempted God. This is the children of Israel uh, back in in the wilderness. It says, And they tempted God in their hearts, notice, by asking meat. The word meat means food. By asking food, notice what it says. For their lust. You say, what is that a reference to? Well, if you remember, God had sent them down manna from heaven, and that manna was supernatural. Food that God gave them, that was all they needed. It provided all the nutrition they needed. It was all that they needed to eat for strength. But if you remember, what were they complaining about? They were complaining about the fact that they were tired of the manna, and they wanted uh, flesh, and they wanted quail. But why, in Psalm 78, are we told that they wanted? Was it because they were malnourished? Was it because the manna was not enough for them? No, the manna provided everything they needed. They were asking me for their lusts. They were asking me not because they needed it, but just because they wanted it. And again, I'm not you know, saying uh, an all-mana diet is something that we should do today. Obviously, that was bread that came from heaven, angels, food uh, you know, that was supernatural given from God. But here we see that it is possible for people to lust. Usually when we think of the word lust, we think of a physical relationship between a man and a woman. But here the Bible says that we can lust for food. And that they were asking meat for their lust. How did God feel about this? Look, look down at verse 29, same chapter. Psalm 78 and verse 29, notice what he says. He says, so they did eat. God gave them what they wanted. He said, so they did eat and were well filled. And for he gave them uh, their own, notice the word, desire, their lust. Verse 30, they were not estranged in their lust. But while their meat was yet in their mouth while they were just stuffing their faces with this food that they were desiring for and lusting for. I just want you to notice how God feels about this. Verse 31. The wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen man of Israel. That's what the Bible says. The Bible teaches here, and I just want you to understand that this is a big deal to God. God wants us to make sure that we keep our appetites, all of them, under control. Not just an appetite for fornication, not just an appetite for drunkenness and drugs, but look, an appetite, an out-of-control appetite for food. So when it comes to stewarding our health, we must learn to eat for strength. And what does that mean? Well, it means that we will control the amount of food that we eat, that we will eat what we need, not necessarily what we want. But there's another aspect to this idea, of eating for strength. Go back to Ecclesiastes. Do me a favor, keep your finger there in Proverbs. You're there in Psalms, but keep your place there in Proverbs because we're going to come back to it. But go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. So you're going to go past uh, Proverbs, in, back into the book of Ecclesiastes, and look at Ecclesiastes 10 again and verse number 17. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. And verse number 17, where well, we saw this verse, but I want you to see it again. Ecclesiastes ten seventeen. Keep your place, your finger in the book of Proverbs. We're going to come back to it. Ecclesiastes ten seventeen. Notice what he says. Blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles, and thy princes eat in due season. Now he says, and not for drunkenness, right? But I want you to notice these two words, for strength, for strength. And here's what I want you to understand. Not only does eating for strength have to do, because we saw, and not for drunkenness. So we're talking about eating what you need, not necessarily what you want. But I want you to understand also, when it says there for strength, what he's saying is that the food that we consume should be strengthening us. And here's what you need to understand. Not all food will give you strength physically. Not all food will nourish you, and not all food will make you stronger. Let me read for you a little bit more from this article from NPR. It says, a study published in CA, Cancer Journal for Clinics, concluded that everyone, regardless of race, ethnicity, or socioeconomic status, is gaining weight at about the same rate. Graphs clearly show parallel tracks of increasing flab among all groups. If we want to solve the obesity problem, we have to figure out what has changed for everybody. And the thing that pops out is our food environment. That's where the action is. And it's not just that food is now cheap relatively to income. It's also that it's so much more convenient. And here's what I want you to understand. When it comes to eating We need to be careful and make sure that we're eating for strength and the idea that we're eating food that will actually nourish our bodies. You know, we should eat the food that God has provided for us. And look, we're talking, and again, I'm not a-, a nutritionist and I don't desire to be one and that's not my goal and you guys are smart and you can read books and you can do, you can study. But you know, we're talking about eating meat. We're talking about eating fruits. We're talking about eating vegetables. We're talking about eliminating a lot of the junk food that is not for strength, that is not nourishing you, that is not going to make you stronger. You need to make sure that you are eating healthy, nutritious food. Now, let me go ahead and say something about, you know, a subject that's extremely popular even within our types of churches and this idea of organic food, you know. And, you know, I I, I personally believe in organic food. I think organic food is good. In our home, I would say that we eat probably 90%, maybe 95% of the food that we buy in our home is organic food. And most of the meals we have at home are meals that my wife cooks, you know, and things like that. You know, but let me say this. A couple of things about organic food. Number one, if you believe in it and you agree with it, don't become this organic food Nazi. If there's one thing I can't stand, is the organic food, you know, look down their nose at you because you're, cause you're not as uppity as we are. You know, that's ridiculous. And we learned about it on Wednesday night, and I'm not going to take time to, but the Bible says food commendeth us not to God. And you are not more spiritual because you eat certain places or you refuse to eat. You know, you look down at someone because I would never eat at McDonald's or whatever. You know, that's really, Get over yourself. All right? And that's stupid. All right? And, and you can't find that in the Bible. You know, but here's what I'm saying. You should eat healthy food. And let me just explain something to you. And some of you are going to disagree with me and I'm going to get emails and that's fine. I don't read them anyway. Brother Stucky does. But, you know, let, let me say this. You know... Eating a non-organic orange is going to be better for you than eating an organic, non-GMO bag of potato chips. Do you understand what I just said? The idea is that we should be eating for strength, eating to nourish our our bodies. Now look, when I'm at Subway and I want a bag of potato chips, you know, sure, I'll pick up the non-GMO organic Lay's potato chips, versus the original, whatever. You know, if you think that's a big deal, if you think that's, that's important, what I'm saying is, look, you need to just eat for strength. You need to eat, and you need to eat the food that God has provided for us, and that the Bible tells us to eat, and I'm not going to go through all the verses, but the Bible talks about eating milk. The Bible talks about eating honey. The Bible talks about eating salt. The Bible talks about eating bread. The Bible talks about eating uh, fruits and vegetables and things that are good and that are going to be good for us. Now, let me say one more thing. We're going to get off the whole diet thing, but let me, some of you have already offended, but let me go ahead and finish in offending the rest and then we'll move on, all right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sermon for everybody. When it comes to, when it comes to dieting, avoid the gimmick and fad diets. Just avoid them in general. People who go on these, Gimmick diets, fad diets, let me just explain something to you, and if you were honest, you would agree with me. And you know it if you've done it, or you know someone who's done it. People who go on these diets, these diets will work for them. Why? Because look, generally, anything works for you. If you just change anything, it'll work for you. But you know what happens is people who go on these gimmick and fad diets, they'll do it, they'll lose weight, and you know what happens in general with almost all of them is as soon as they get off of it, they gain all the weight right back. Because here's the thing, you know, and I'm not trying to pick on you or whatever. If some of you, I, look, I don't know. I don't go to the ladies' weight loss meeting, okay? I don't know what diets you're on. I don't know what you're doing. So I'm not trying to pick on you. But you know, the, one of the most famous was the Atkins diet, you know, where you, all meat and no bread. Well, you know, Jesus said that you should pray every day, give us this day our daily bread. He wouldn't have said that if bread was bad for you. And I realized that the... 59-cent Wonder Bread is probably not the greatest thing for you to be eating. I get that, all right? You need to be smart about what you're putting in your body. But here's what I'm saying. You didn't get overweight because you, know, of, you weren't on that diet. Well, here's, here's what I'm trying to explain to you. When it comes to weight loss, you need to deal with the issue that got you overweight to begin with. Not just some quick, you know, this is going to make me lose weight. Yeah, but if you go back to eating the way you ate before, you're just going to gain it all right back. And here's the point that I'm trying to make. When it comes to losing weight, you need to change your lifestyle in a way that it's not just a gimmick or a fad, where it actually changes the problem that got you overweight to begin with. Does does that make sense? You need, and here's the other thing, you need to do something that's sustainable. Because here's the thing, if you try a diet, as soon as you get off the diet, you gain all the weight back, then what does that mean? That means you're going to have to be on that diet your whole life. Well, some of these diets aren't healthy to be on your whole life. So you need to do something that's actually sustainable, something that you can actually Do for the rest of your life. And you know what you can do for the rest of your life and you should do for the rest of your life? Is to limit your eating, to eat fruits, to eat vegetables, to eat meat, to eat food that is good and nutritious for you, and to just, in general, cut back your eating. Because in general, we all eat too much. So when the Bible says, the Bible says we need to eat for strength, what are we talking about? We're talking about limiting the amount of food we eat, eating what we need, not what we want. And also we're talking about the types of foods that we eat. Look, if you're eating junk food all day long, if you're eating, you know, candy bars and sodas and things like that, and I'm not against those from time to time, I think it's fine. You know, let me let me say this. When you know, for a long time, and my my wife can you know, my wife is is fortunate in the sense that she she grew up in a home where they never drink soda, you know? It's just water's what they drink. You know, if they were going to drink something for fun, they drank milk. You know, that's just how she grew up. Since I've met her, she just never drinks soda. We go out to restaurants, she never drinks soda. You know, my testimony is different, all right? I, I love uh, Coca-Cola. I think Coca-Cola is very delicious. And um, if, if Coca-Cola would hire me, I, I would, uh, you know, advertise. In fact, I'm just advertising for them right now, you know? But there was a time in my life, you know, literally there was a time in my life back when I was in my 20s, you know, I'm not in my 20s anymore, back when I was in my 20s and when I was in the military, you can ask my wife, I would literally drink a Coke, you know, breakfast and, and dinner, I mean, lunch and dinner. The only, the only meal I didn't have a Coke with was breakfast, and even then every once in a while. You know, I drink a lot of soda. Well, look, now I have to cut back on it. I love soda. I think, it's, I, I think it tastes good. I realize, don't send me articles. I don't care. I know, you know. I, I know, but you know I've cut I I've had to cut back on it. And you know at this point in my life, I have a soda once a week. My wife and I go on a weekly date night, and on our date night, I drink a Coke. You know, and for me, that's a big deal. You know, from eating drinking two a day to one a week is. That, here's what I'm trying to say: Don't think and don't listen to these people that make it like you can never do this. Or you can never, you know you're not going to be able to sustain that. You can never have a candy bar. You know, if, if, if that's your thing, maybe treat yourself once a week. Treat yourself once a month, whatever it is. But here's what I'm saying. Whatever you do, make sure it's sustainable. It's the same thing with finances. And we're going to talk about stewarding your, your finances. But sometimes people get into finances, and they make these budgets, and they're so strict, and they're so hard, and all you do is fail. It has to be sustainable. It has to be something that you can actually do for the rest of your life. So eat for strength. Eat for strength. Number two. And actually go to First Corinthians real quickly. Keep your place there in Proverbs. Go to First Corinthians and then I'll give you number two. First Corinthians chapter number ten. You have got your place in Proverbs, go to First Corinthians, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Rome. And look, people that have the willpower to just, I'm never going I'm only ever gonna eat, you know, food that I make with my hands, and I'm never gonna have a potato chip. People that have that willpower, you know what? God bless them and more power to them. But you know what? Most of us are not like that. And you've got to do something that's actually gonna work for you, and that's actually sustainable. And, you know, if it's quitting soda it altogether, then praise the Lord. If it's once a week, you know, go for it. If it's, you know, quitting certain things, but here's the point. You need, you, you can't just think, you know, you can't get on these diets that you think, well, this will solve all my problems. If you go back to what got you overweight to begin with, then you've solved nothing. Do you understand what I just said? If I went on a diet, lost 10 pounds You know, oh, my pants fit now. Praise the Lord. And then I go back to drinking two sodas every day. Well, guess what? I didn't solve anything. Do you understand what I just said? You have to actually change your lifestyle. You actually have to change the way you live. You need to eat for strength and not for drunkenness. 1 Corinthians 10, look at verse 31. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, the Bible says this, whether the word weather means it's a statement that applies to whichever or whichever alternative. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he says, whether therefore, ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. See, everything we do should be done to the glory of God, including our eating. We should honor God in our eating. We should honor God in our drinking. Therefore, whatsoever, whether, therefore, ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do do all to the glory of God. Now, you've got your place in Proverbs. Keep your place there in 1 Corinthians 10 and go back to Proverbs. Keep your place in 1 Corinthians 10. We're going to come back to it at the end of the sermon. So put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there, 1 Corinthians 10, but go back to Proverbs and let me say this. Number one, I'm giving you three statements for the stewardship of health, biblical principles for the stewardship of health in our lives. Number one, we must eat for strength. Number two, we must exercise regularly. We must exercise regularly. Regularly, And I'm going to show you a couple of things from the Bible here. But let me read for you just a, 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 a few excerpts here from some articles. Here's from an article from NBC News. It says this. Other factors that seem to play into the obesity epidemic are the rise of electronic entertainment, increased reliance on cars, and a shift away from physical jobs to more desk-bound ones. Although Americans aren't spending more time at work and have more leisure time today, they do spend more of that time sedentary, the research has found. Here's from an article from the newsmedical.net. It says, studies have shown that the rise of obesity among the world population could be attributed to an increase in calorie intake, that's what we just talked about, coupled with Lack of adequate physical activity. Studies have shown that in the U.S., per capita calories intake increased more than 300 kilocalories among the entire population from 1985 through 2002. The numbers have only risen over the past decade. Obesity results from an imbalance between the amount of energy taken in through eating and drinking and the amount of energy spent on metabolism and physical activity. Activity. So when it comes to stewarding our health, we need to, number one, eat for strength, which means you're careful about how much you eat and you're careful about what you eat. Make sure that, in general, you're eating nutritious, healthy, good food. But number two, we must exercise regularly. And here's what I want you to understand. You may not be aware of this, but the Bible actually speaks positively about being physically fit. Let me give you some examples. You're there in Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. And, and, and let me say this, you know, back when our society was more of an agricultural society, you know, when people were working on farms and working the field and working with animals and spending 12 hours out doing manual labor, you know, maybe the physical exercise is not as needed, uh, was needed back then. But today, And look, and if you've got a job that keeps you moving, keeps you busy, keeps you, you know, you're working hard, you're laboring, you've got a labor job, praise the Lord for it. You know, I'm not saying you need to go home and get on the treadmill, you know, but here's the thing, you know, as a pastor, most of my work is on a computer. You know, what I do basically all week long is write sermons and I work on, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of different documents and things for our church, you know, and I go soul winning and all of that, of course, you know, and, and there's other aspects to it. But a lot of my job is, you know, sitting in front of a computer, sitting down, reading, studying, things like that. So, you know what, I need to go get on the treadmill. I need to go do some physical exercise, you know, when I'm done with work. And maybe that's your lifestyle. Maybe, you know, you have a very uh uh sedentary lifestyle, meaning that you you spend a lot of time seated or a lot of time in 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 inactive activity. Uh, you know, there's a oxymoron. Uh you you spend a lot of time inactive is what I'm trying to say, then you need to have regular exercise added to your life. And the Bible speaks positively about this. Notice Proverbs 24, look at verse 5. There's a positive mention in the Bible about men being physically fit. Now, there's lots of mentions in the Bible about men being strong, and we could have spent all day looking at those verses, and I'm not going to do that. But I want you to notice Proverbs 24, 5, because in here it's not just telling us that, it's not just mentioning that men are strong, but notice what he says, Proverbs 24, 5. He says, a wise man is strong. So he says, look, if you want to be wise, you would be strong. Yea, a man of knowledge, notice, increases strength. So here we have a positive mention where God is saying to men. If you are a man, if you were wise and if you were knowledgeable, you know what you would do? You would increase in strength. You would be strong, you know. And, and we see here that it, it's a positive mention about being physically fit and, and being strong and making sure that you are not, you know, unhealthy in your lifestyle you're there in proverbs 24 go to proverbs 31 let's see a positive mention of a woman being physically fit proverbs 31 you know you've got the famous virtuous woman and i'm sure that every woman in this room i would hope every woman in this room would have a desire to be a virtuous woman and there's lots of things about the virtuous woman and i'm not going to get into that this morning but i want you to notice one proverbs 31 and verse 10 says who can find a virtuous woman? for her prize is far above rubies. And he goes on and he talks about the virtuous woman and he gives us a lot of details about this woman. She gets up early, she stays, uh, she stays up late, she works hard, she loves her husband, she loves her family, there's many things about her. But I want you to notice one, verse 17. The Bible says, she girdeth. What does it mean to gird? It means to surround or to encircle. She girdeth her loins with strength. Notice, and strengtheneth her arms. She's a strong woman. She's in the process of strengthening herself. She, you know, she's exercising. She's fit. She's healthy. She's able. And here, look, here's all I'm saying. And I'm not talking about becoming some, you know, bodybuilder, you know, in speedos, checking yourself out in the mirror, okay? That's weird, all right? A bunch of naked guys checking themselves out is a little odd, all right? It's, you know, this is not a biblical term, but it's gay, All right? So we're not talking about that, but what we're talking about is just being fit, being strong. Here's all I'm trying to say. If God commanded you to walk around the walls of Jericho once a day for seven days, and on the seventh day, he told you to do it seven times, I just think you ought to be fit enough to do it. Do You understand what I just said? I just think that if God commanded you to go, you know, walk somewhere to preach the gospel, you ought to be fit enough to do it. God speaks positively of this idea of being fit and of exercise. Go to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you find the T-books in the New Testament, they're all clustered together. 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And look at verse 7. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says this, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise... And notice what he says. He's talking about exercise. Not physical, though, in this verse. He says, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. He's saying, it is better to exercise yourself in godliness. So you should be exercising yourself in godliness. Verse 8. For... For means because... Bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Now, oftentimes people look at 1 Timothy 4, 8, and they'll say it's a negative reference to physical exercise. But I want you to understand, he says bodily exercise profiteth little in comparison to, you know, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And, here's what, and And that's true. It is more beneficial for you to get up in the morning and read your Bible than to get up in the morning and get on the treadmill. But you know what would be great is if you did both. It's more beneficial for you to get up in the morning and pray than it is for you to get up in the morning and go on a walk. But you know what would be awesome is if you could do both. And, you know, I'm a very busy individual, and in my life, you know, I try to manage myself within the time that God has given me. But I found that, you know, for me personally, I try to do my prayer time on the treadmill because I want to walk every day. So I walk, and, you know, on the treadmill, my wife and I have a sheet of paper there with all of your names on it, and we go through and pray for you while we're walking on the treadmill, and we're killing two birds with one stone. You know, and, and 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 you know, after I'm done with my walk, I speed it up a little bit and I try to run a mile a day. My wife, you know, runs every day and she's pregnant now, so she's just walking every day, which is great. But, you know, what I'm saying is, it, yes, it's more valuable for you to exercise yourself in that which is spiritual, but this is not a negative comment towards bodily exercise because notice what he says in verse 8. He, has, he says, for bodily exercise, he doesn't say profiteth nothing, He says, profit is little. There is some profit in physical exercise. The point is to avoid a sedentary lifestyle. The point is to live a lifestyle that is active. Look, and this goes against our culture today. You know, I didn't know this because I don't care about these things. But just last night, I found out that today is a Super Bowl, (laughs) you know. Which let me just explain something to you about the Super Bowl. If some of you are going to go home and watch it, I love you. I'm not against you, but that is not good time management. Amen. Amen. That is a big waste of time. Amen. Watching a bunch of grown men play a kid's game and getting paid millions of dollars to do it. You say, "Oh, well, I can't believe you to say that." Well, let me ask you this: After the two or three hours of watching it, what will you accomplish with your life? You'd be better off spending that time with your wife or with your children, or with God, or how about try this one, you know, the, the Church of God, how about that one? You know, and, and I'm not trying to offend you, although I've already offended all of you, but the idea is this, it, it's a way, it's but here's what I'm trying to say, today, today, millions of Americans will sit down with a beer and a bag of potato chips, not you know, organic GMO, I'm sure, for three hours and watch a bunch of Fit athletes play. You know they'd be better off if they just went out and threw the football around themselves. They'd be better off. Here's what I'm saying is I'm not against sport. I'm not against playing sports. We have guys in our church that go out and play soccer and play. But listen, when you sit there and you watch sports, you are wasting your time and you are wasting your life. Amen. And it's not doing anything for you physically. The point is be active. Look, don't watch the Super Bowl this afternoon. Why don't you go take your kid out and go play football? That way you would be spending time with your kids and being active. The idea is to be active, to not be uh, sedentary. Let me say a couple things about, about exercising, all right? The exercise that you do needs to be in line with your age and your current physical state. Okay, I'm not talking about you need to go out and run a 5K. Now, some of you can go out and run a 5K, you know, and, and that might be fun. Go, go ahead and do it. You know, but for some of you, for your age or your current physical state, Maybe what we're talking about is taking a walk around the block, you know, taking a walk around the park. For some of you, it is running a mile. For some of you, it is running five miles. Maybe you want to, you know, do a sport and get together with some people and go play basketball or play football or play soccer. Maybe you want to do those things. It doesn't matter what you do. What I'm saying is, you know, when we're talking about exercise, we're talking about for your in, within the context of your current age and your current physical ability. But the point is this get active, get up, do something, you know, be fit, strengthen yourself as a male, and strengthen yourself as a female, and if you need, you say, well, I don't know what to do, I need an excuse, you know, I need to be distracted, you know, people say, I can't get on the treadmill, because, you know, I just feel like time just stops, you know, that's why we pray on the treadmill, it gives us something to do, but, you know, if you need something to do while you're walking, how about this, go soul winning, that's a great, you know what you do when you're out soul winning? You get up, you walk around, you know, you talk to people, you do something spiritual. Hey, you know, if, if you've got a goal of losing weight, then we'll see you on Saturday morning. You know, knock out two birds with one stone and be active. You know, but people want, want to talk about, I want to lose weight, I want to lose weight. But then they never, you know, they get home and they're just on the couch, on the bed, doing nothing. Get up and do something. Be active. Get around people. Go soul winning, walk around, exercise. You know, for you ladies, we have this ladies' weight loss meeting. It doesn't work if you don't show up. You know, you say, well, I need support, I need accountability. Then go there. It's free. We're not even charging you. You know, it's, it's free. You can get around people that will support you, that will encourage you, that will pray for you. Here's what I'm saying is, do something about it. Your health. So, when it comes to the stewardship of health, number one, we must eat for strength. What does that mean? That means that we eat only what we need, the amount, what we need, not necessarily what we want. That also means that we eat nutritious food that is good for us, that will strengthen us, that will make us stronger and healthier, not weaker and sicker but number two we must exercise regularly we must live active lifestyles and if you have a job that is very sedentary then you need to focus and on purpose make sure you get up and go and do something and be active number three this is the third statement i'd like to give you this morning go to the book of exodus in the old testament you got genesis exodus exodus chapter number 20 here's number three I said, number one, we must eat for strength. I said, number two, we must exercise regularly. Exodus chapter 20. Here's number three. We must take ease periodically. We must take ease periodically. You said, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is we must rest from time to time. We must rest occasionally. You know, it's interesting because in the Bible, God gives us this principle of rest, you know, and in Exodus chapter 20, we have a very famous passage on the Sabbath day. Now, let me go ahead and say this, all right, as New Testament believers, we are not under the law, the Levitical law, or the Mosaic law, in order to have to keep the Sabbath, all right, and I'm not telling you that we should keep the Sabbath, or that law has been done away with, we're not obligated to keep the Sabbath, but I do want you to know something, that the spirit of the Sabbath continues. The Spirit, you say, well, what do you mean by the Spirit of the Sabbath? Well, I'll show you that in a second. But let's look at the Sabbath idea here um, in Exodus chapter 20. Look at verse 8. Exodus 28 says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, what's the Sabbath day? Here's what he says. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy sons, nor thy daughters, thy manservants, nor thy maidservants, nor thy cattle, nor thy strangers. That is within thy gates. So he says, look, six days you work, and on the seventh day you labor. And again, we're not obligated to keep that, but it would be smart if you understood that there is wisdom in rest. Look at verse 11. It's, the Bible says this, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And that was pre the Mosaic law, by the way, the sea and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and holiday. And here's what I want you to understand. God worked for six days and rested on the seventh day. God rested. And here's all I'm saying. You don't have to keep the Sabbath. You don't have to do the Sabbath. We're not under that Mosaic or Levitical law. But I will say this. If it's good enough for God, it's probably good enough for you. This idea... Of rest and and here's what we're learning and here's what he's teaching. Go to the book of Mark, Mark chapter number two in the New Testament. You got Matthew, and you got the book of Mark. Say, Menez, are you are you teaching that we have to keep the Sabbath day? You know, whatever. Here, we're not, look, we're not becoming Seventh Day menace, Okay, all that is silliness and foolishness, and I've preached on that before. But what the Bible is teaching here is this. Because here's what here's what the Bible says: You labor six days, you rest the seventh day. You labor six days, you rest the seventh day. You labor six days. You rest the seventh day. And here's what you need to understand. In our lives, often we talk about our lives as a marathon. You know, the Christian life is a marathon. I've heard that my whole life. The Christian life is a marathon. Life is a marathon. Life is a marathon. The truth of the matter is that life is not necessarily a marathon as much as it is a series of sprints and recovery. Because what is our lives based on what God says? It should be, here's what our lives should look like six days of hard work, six days of labor, one day of rest. A time of sprinting, a time of of working, of giving energy, and then a time to rest and a time to recover. Mark chapter 2, are you there? Look at verse 27, Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 2 and verse 27, notice what he says. The Bible says this, this is Jesus. And he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, don't use the Sabbath as some sort of legalistic, you've got to keep the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath was not made, uh, uh, man was not made for the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath was made for man. Here's what he's saying. God gave us the idea, or the principle of Sabbath because it's good for us. Because it's good to rest. Because look, it's good for you to get a good night's rest. It's good for you, you know, to go to bed at, at, a, at a decent time and get up at a decent time and get you know, seven or eight hours of sleep. It's good for you to take some time off. And again, we're not talking about keeping the Sabbath and you've got to you know, keep those laws. But what I'm saying is you need to make sure that you are taking time to rest, taking time to get away, taking time to be alone with your family and with God and not always having to be with you know, church people and everything we do is together. No, it's, time, it's good from time to time to just rest, to take a break. Look, I need a break from you and you guys need a break from me. You know, every Sunday and every, <laughs> every Wednesday. Look at Mark chapter 6. You're there in Mark 2. Just go a few uh, chapters over to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, look at verse 30. Mark six thirty. Mark chapter 6 and verse 30 says this. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. This is after just a a season of of intense work and labor in the ministry of the apostles. They just got done with a missions trip and they'd done many things and they're coming back and telling Jesus about all the work they did, verse 31. And he said unto them, come yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going and they had no leisure so much as to eat and they departed into a desert place by ship privately and look when it comes to the uh, the sabbath all i'm saying is the principle of the sabbath we're not talking about a legalistic keeping of a day i'm talking about the principle of a sabbath you know try to rest on a regular basis try to rest you know on a weekly basis here on on at Verity baptist church we've got two staff guys and with our staff members you know i do my best to try to give them a day off every week. Now, it's not always the same day off. You know, I'm often switching their days off because I need them to do certain things here or there. But I try to give them a, a time uh, uh, of, of having a, a, day, a day off. And you know, in your life, you gotta try to do that. But let me say this because sometimes people think like, oh, well, that doesn't work out for me. And here's, here's what I wanna say it's more important to rest than to follow rules of rest. And what I mean by that is, I'll give you an example from my personal life. Here at Mary Baptist Church, I do not get a day off. Now, the guys that work here, they get a full 24-hour day off every week, and we try to honor that. Sometimes we have to call them and say, you know, where's this, or do you know what happened to that, or whatever. But we try to not bother them. We try to not, you know, I don't take that. And here's the thing, I tried to take that. As a pastor, I tried to set aside a day that was all, you know, a 24-hour day to rest. And here's the thing, it just didn't work. Because it seemed like whenever I scheduled a day off, somebody went to the hospital, you know, or somebody needed a visit, or somebody had an emergency, and, somebody, and that's what my life is. That's what we do. That's what my wife and I do. Somebody had an emergency, and they needed help, and they needed this, or this, or that. So you know, what I found in my life is that I don't schedule a day off, but what I will do is from time to time, I might take a morning off. Or I might take an afternoon off. Or I might take uh, an extended lunch break, you know, or whatever, and I don't take a full 24-hour period off because it just doesn't work. And when you've got to preach three times a week, that doesn't really work either. What I'm saying is, you don't have to follow a specific rule and say, I'm going to rest on this day for 24 hours. I'm going to lock myself in my room and nobody talk to me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying just make sure you take time to rest. And sometimes you have to wait for that rest. And sometimes, you know, my wife and I are telling each other, let's just get through this. Let's get through this event. Let's get through this baby shower. You know, let's get through this, you know, a conference. Let's get through this or whatever, and then we'll take a day off. We'll take an afternoon off. We'll take whatever off. But what I'm saying is make sure you take time to rest. You don't have to turn that, but in Isaiah 40:31, the Bible says this, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, God will strengthen you during those times of rest. And God will strengthen you during those times of taking ease. So make sure in your life, make sure in your life, when it comes to the stewardship of health, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're, we're done right here. First Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to finish up right here. When it comes to the stewardship of health, the stewardship of life, what are the principles from the Bible? Number one, eat for strength. We must eat for strength. Regulate how much you eat. Make sure you eat what you need, not what you want. And make sure what you're bringing in for the most part, what you're eating for the most part, is good nutritious food that will strengthen you, not weaken you. So we must eat for strength. Number two, we must exercise regularly. We must exercise regularly and be active. And, and whatever that means for you, it may mean you're going to go run a marathon and you know whatever, That's God bless you. Or it, it may mean you're going to walk around the block. Whatever works for you, hey, we must exercise regularly. And number three, we must take ease periodically. Don't burn the candle on both ends. Make sure you're taking time to rest. Make sure you're taking time. Look, make sure you're taking time to have some quiet time alone with God every day in rest and in resting in God. First Corinthians chapter 6, you know these verses, they're famous. We'll look at them together, we'll be done. First Corinthians 6:19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God and ye are not your own? See, when it comes to stewardship, what is stewardship? Remember, we are managers. We're not owners, we are managers. We do not own our time. We are managing our time for the glory of God. We do not own our financial resources. We are managing our financial resources for the glory of God. We do not own our children. We do not own our spouse. We are managing those relationships for the glory of God. We don't own our influence. We're managing our influence for the glory of God. And we'll talk about all those things. But here's what I'm just saying. You don't own your body. It's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. It's a borrowed body, and you are to manage it and steward it for the glory of God. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. He says, therefore, he says, for this reason. For what reason? The reason that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The reason that your body is not your own, that you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. Notice what he says in your body, and in your spirit, notice what he says, which are God's. Here's a question I have for you. How are you stewarding your body for God? It's a borrowed body. Are you caring for it? Are you taking care of it? Are you putting poison into it like alcohol and drugs? Are you putting poison into it Like junk food, you know, and again, I'm not talking about every once in a while it's good to celebrate and it's good to eat, you know, and it's good uh, to do those things. But are you just consistently putting junk into your body or are you eating for strength? Are you taking care of it and exercising and being active? Are you running it, you know, just to the limit or are you sprinting and recovering, sprinting and resting? We need to steward our bodies for God. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for these principles found in Scripture that we can learn. And Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to take this sermon in the spirit which it was preached, Lord, not to try to offend anybody or upset anybody. Lord, I I need these principles. And sometimes I'm doing better with health than, than other times. And sometimes I do need to take a break. And I'm running myself to a limit and sometimes i'm not putting the best things into my body and and sometimes lord we're we're eating more for lust than we are for need and but i just pray you'd help all of us to apply these things to our lives lord help us to have the wisdom to know what to do with what we've learned and lord help us to have the determination and the courage to do what we need to do with the things that we have learned today we love you father in jesus